Hey everybody, welcome to the Growing the Fishes podcast, episode 218. As you can tell, we've been working on our production values after the conference. Uh, Marty and I have both been working on a whole bunch of stuff for the conf- you know, uh, for the conference and for the class we've been working on and everything else. So uh, learning some new stuff. So hopefully it's uh, going to increase the value of a lot of the content that you guys have been watching. Um, also going to do a lot of like cool topic videos and stuff here in the future, especially on YouTube. Uh, so be looking for that. We're going to be doing a lot of really cool content, um, especially once we finish up the class and stuff. And I can just focus on regular old YouTube and uh, and, and book content. Uh, we'll get that going. So um, uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, this is the Growing with Fishes podcast. We cover aquaponic and living soil content and um, growing techniques and um educational information and all that all that type of stuff uh, how's it going marty uh, it's going pretty good um you know oh, just seems like you're stuck in there, but what's that or something it's working a second ago it's not working now figure it out huh. we were just talking uh, right before the show i'm not really sure what uh what could be the problem? Can you hear me now? Oh, still nothing. Hmm. All right, well, we'll get it sorted. Can uh, can everybody out there in Wonderland hear us today? Yeah, we have some guests that uh, hopefully will be popping in, at least uh, one guest will be popping in. And then uh, we have some, some really neat stuff lined up here in the future. We have... Uh, uh, some pretty cool researchers and uh, some other interesting people lined up uh, for next week. Uh, you can hear both Marty and Steve. Interesting. I wonder why I can't hear Marty. Oh, so it's just you. Bizarre. All right, cool. I was like, man, it looks like it's working. <laughs> anyway, uh, so I'm pretty good. Just uh, this is weird. Rolling up to figure out the easiest way to solve this. Ah. Uh, Yeah, no, I, I can. What's that? That's right, strange. Cool. Hmm. Two seconds. Check mixer. No, not the mixer. There is something specifically that does not like Marty on my end, but was functioning before we went live. Hmm. Wonder, 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 can I do it this way? I apologize, people. We will uh, start the show here in a second, as soon as I can hear Marty. Hmm. Say something now. Hello, hello. 
Audio is sorted. All right, everybody. I apologize. Thanks for joining us. This is the Growing with Fishes podcast. We will get started now. <laughs> uh, how's it going, Marty? Uh, what's going on with your garden? Uh, what's going on? We are filling up the filling up the net, getting ready to start flower. Right now, I'm rolling a joint. Let you hear crinkling in the background. Um, so yeah, it got cooled off really quick. We went from like, you know, 90 degree heat down to like freezing um, <clears throat> real quick. So that was interesting, um, but it's great for the indoor because uh, then I, I can just go back to kind of controlling everything with my input and output fans. I don't have to worry about much else. So uh, sprouting seeds, uh, taking cuts, vegging plants, transplanting clones, making new dual root zone pots. I did 3D print. I don't think I, I don't have any of them up here, but I 3D printed some sprayers, uh, kind of like micro sprayers for like drip irrigation. Um, so I'm gonna mess around with those. So that's been pretty cool. Um, my first attempt at a uh, at a U-siphon part totally failed, so I got to work on that again. Um, it failed to print. It wasn't. I didn't even get to try it. So, um, what else are we working on? Um, I redid my my cloning like we talked about uh, before. So I got rid of, you know, I took the Aero cloner out um, altogether, and I'm just doing cloning in media beds now. So that's going really well. It's just a lot easier to maintain. <clears throat> so I have the net pots that I printed. I essentially just leave those down in the um, in the media bed so that there's not, I, I keep the media out as opposed to in and then I can just drop the, the cuts down in. So I've been setting up more beds of that and more beds of the moms. I've got uh, a random seed that just sprouted in my compost after doing water hash. Um, so we did a, did a run a water hash and all the leftovers went in the compost bin. And then it was a while, like maybe three or four weeks later, it must've rained or something and got wet. The seed sprouted out of the compost bin. So we transplanted it and going to see what it is. It's probably who knows what. Um, so that'd be fun to mess around with. Um, what else do we have going? Oh, the, the pineapple jack from Mr. Green Jeans. Um, got some seedlings of that that we just transplanted into the veg system. Uh, we've got a couple that are in the flower room that we're just gonna flower on 1212 and see how tall they get. So that'll be an interesting uh, kind of experiment. Um, what else are we working on? Uh, I think that's about it for right now. Just other than that, it's just, you know, cleaning and spraying, gonna convert some more lace wings, gonna, and some row beetles, gonna release those. And hmm, I think that's about it. What about you? Uh, I've been working on all kinds of cool stuff. We got uh, some cool, uh, some cool greenhouse design stuff I'm working on and um, 
the whole streamlining a lot of different processes that have been going on with lots of different things, both on, on concentrate side and both on the on cultivation side and just trying to like bring together a bunch of different ideas that um, maybe I guess on face value don't seem like they, they click together easily. So that's been cool and fun and uh, I don't know, just nice. Um, it's been really, really good to, to work on something a little bit different for a change lately. Uh, so that's been fun. And then also working on, um, uh, working with a couple of the big vegetable people late recently, um, a pretty large vegetable farm in the South. And then uh, um, uh, just a couple of other stuff, that, uh, uh, another vegetable farm in, in a, on an island nation, which was uh, real interesting to talk to and uh, work with for a bit. So um, just a little bit of stuff that's been different than uh, most of what I've been dealing with this year, which has been cannabis. So it's always fun to, to jump back into to ve uh, vegetables. The biggest thing I always uh, kind of forget is with cannabis, you know, we have such um, a narrow set of pests that, that go after our stuff in terms of insects or, you know, when you do have an insect, you generally know, with, you know, within one to three species of, of a certain genus, uh, what it is that's going after your stuff with cannabis because cannabis is, you know, being so resin rich and things is, uh, not the easiest to digest plant, or maybe not insects' first choice, I guess, when they have uh, easier to digest options. Um, but when you have lettuce or you know other things that are a little bit uh, more susceptible to insects, um, uh, it can always be a, more a little bit more educational and, uh, and, and interesting to deal with on a pest management level. And uh, you know, uh, especially dealing with different climates or different nations where maybe they're limited because of import, uh, especially island nations uh, are always an interesting challenge because um, uh, you have to deal with uh, you know what you can and cannot bring into the country, which is always uh, very limited uh, in those types of scenarios. So uh, we had a, a question from chat here. Uh, gentleman asks, "Hey, potent ponics, can I grow at least one auto flower using a 30 to 40 gallon fish tank with like four to eight goldfish?" Yes, you absolutely can. Um, you could probably grow two autos. You could probably grow two, two or three plants, maybe even four if you're lucky. Um, autos don't feed, well, autos tend to not feed quite at the same rate as the photos do, uh, at least over their whole growth uh, growth period. They seem to be a little bit more dainty, um, which is why they're a little bit more forgiving. Um, they also seem to not be quite as, um, uh, what's the way, way to put this? They tend to not be screwed up quite so much by nitrogen toxicity. So if you accidentally overshoot your nitrogen, um, autos seem to be a little bit more forgiving. Uh, than a lot of the photos do um, in terms of how much you're going to pay for it. If you actually do overshoot your nitrogen, you know, you're going to have a little less larfiness or, you know, those strains already were kind of maybe not the tightest to begin with because they're autos. So it's uh, not really a big deal. Um, you know, uh, I guess it would be the other advantage. You know, I, I, in fact, we had Jeff Lowenfell on recently and, and, I, I, and I, I tell this to people, especially newer aquaponic cannabis people all the time, go you know listen to his grab his book on autos and uh and get out there and um uh you know use that uh, as your guide for for growing auto flowers and then you throw them in your aquaponic system and then just treat them in your dual root zone and treat them like a pepper plant or tomato plant or um you know one of your other more specialty uh, feeding plants and you'll have a lot of success i mean even even if you just throw them in your media bed you'll get something it, it won't be quite as nice and we'll we can we'll show some pictures of that later but um, you know, you can still get something that's still decent, but you know, you'll, you'll have much better results if you do have, go that a little bit extra. 
Yeah, I, if I were going to grow autos, I would say just go the little bit of extra mile to sprout the seed in the dual zone pot, never transplant it. Yes. Um, and then you'll, you'll absolutely do better than any other way that involves transplanting when it comes to autos. Um, and if you do do a dual root zone pot, it will still allow you to move it around without technically transplanting it. So if you need to move it from one media bed to the other, it won't be as big a deal until the roots get out the bottom. And then it's still better than anything else that you would do, like even just transplanting from the smaller pot to the bigger one um, would cause more stress than, uh, in my opinion, than moving a dual root zone pot that already had some roots out the bottom. You get some, some stress from, but uh, if I was going to do autos, I would just sprout it right in a dual root zone pot and let it grow right through in the bottom and never move it unless you absolutely have to. Yeah, that's definitely the most important thing. Autos are super unforgiving with uh, any kind of root disturbance. Uh, so definitely don't, you know, once they're set, they're set. That's why, like, just like Marty said, you know, put them in their final pot when you germinate them and germinate them directly into that pot uh, or, you know, put them in a starter plug and as soon as it's germinated, transplant them into that. And then, you know, from then on, let them, let them rip depending on, you know, the, the size of your grow. Um, is really going to be the best way to, to go about it. It says, okay, what about a 10 gallon with two to three goldfish? So 10 gallons simply is just not going to have enough volume uh, to provide enough fish, a fish biomass to generate enough nutrients to feed a cannabis plant. Um, even an auto, it's just not, you know, an auto still needs a lot of nutrients, right? So it's not really enough to, to do that. Uh, interesting, I have a 10 gallon tank, plan to grow an auto indica. How many goldfish would you recommend? So I wouldn't use goldfish in a 10 gallon aquarium. They're, they're, they're just too large of a fish. Um, I would do like lots of guppies or, you know, a bunch of potties or a bunch of mollies. Um, they're going to continuously poop all day. Uh, you're going to have, you know, be able to generate a lot of them uh, and, and they're going to keep breeding and generating a lot more of them. You can also sell them. You know, it, once you have too many of them, you can just sell them to your local pet shop and at least help fund the fish feed to help, uh, you know, maybe even trade them for the for free fish feed to help fund your system. So that's going to be a better way to go, especially if you have a smaller system. Uh, when I, I mean, I used to, I haven't paid for fish food since I was like eight years old because I always have something I'm breeding or, you know, have around that I can trade. Um, you know, it's a great way to uh, to do that. Especially for kids too, you want you want to teach kids that something they can a good little hustle. You know, teach them how to raise little fish or betas or tarantulas or scorpions or you know something like that or a little aquaponic system where they can breed fish and and you know hustle some lettuce or something in a, in a little farmer's market or have a spot in a local corner store or something. Uh, I know when we were out in the desert, uh, the local liquor store would buy all of the extra produce we had when I was living out in the in the middle of nowhere. Uh, and um, they would sell it to locals because we were the only people that were growing any local vegetables in the area within a 45 minute drive, you know? So they were, you know, even though it was just a liquor store, they were happy to buy that at, you know, quite reasonable rates. The other thing, I, and, and I'll mention this, you know, as a good, good idea, if you're an aquaponics person, maybe you're on a cannabis grower right now, maybe you're a vegetable grower, and uh, you know your sales are down on your lettuce because there's less restaurants there's no farmers markets because of covid you know especially as as the second wave hits uh it could be a problem uh crap i, I shouldn't have said that then we're gonna get immediately demonetized because i said that word now 
it's all right. Need to monetize this anyway. Um, is a uh, uh, indoor. Oh, they don't get me started. I, I could go on a huge long rant about YouTube this week because they flagged a whole bunch of links from different various guests uh, this week that they suddenly decided were no longer acceptable. And it was just like, dude, this. Some of these videos are five years old. This is obscene. Um, uh, anyways. Anyway, they didn't flag the channel. They just took the links off. And it's like, this is ridiculous. Anyways, um, what was I saying? Oh, uh, thank you. Um, so uh, yeah, so say so you're, you're lettuce, you're a lettuce grower and you lost um, you know business and stuff. You're kind of like wondering what to do. Indoor houseplants right now, uh, are, are at an absolute premium. They're at some of the highest prices they've ever been. The demand is sky high because everyone wants to bring outside inside since they're stuck inside because of quarantine. And um, they, they're not allowed to import a lot of these plants. So if you can work with a local nursery that already has a lot of these, you can bulk them out and clone them and rapidly grow them in your aquatic system and then resale them and, and help supplement some of your lost income from lettuce in a way that might be you know equally as profitable. You know, a lot of these plants will grow at two, two times, you know, twice as fast or even faster in your aquaponic system uh, compared to your, um, you know, regular system. So definitely something to think about if you're a struggling uh, vegetable producer out there. I know a lot of aquaponic people are not doing uh, as good as they were, you know, pre, pre plague. Microgreens are always great for that too. So I mean, it's always a, you know, super easy, quick. Uh, turn around and like local restaurants uh, are almost always looking to buy fresh microgreens um, if you get connected with them. I know a number of people just here in the valley that have entire business model that are um, just growing greens for local restaurants. So uh, um, a gentleman in chat followed up and said, so if I want to grow an auto with little to no issues at all, what size gallon minimum would you suggest? I would say <clears throat> I wouldn't go smaller than three gallons uh, as far as, you know, setting up a long-term dual root zone, full, full, full term auto flower. Um, I, my, my main recommendation would be a four or five gallon uh, basket bottom. Wait, right, is he asking about a pot or are you asking about uh, reservoir size? So, so the, I would say for the plant pot size, I would say, you know, between three and five gallons minimum, uh, depending on, the size of that auto, you know, obviously some of the newer audios, autos need a little bit more, more room because they get a little bit larger. They have longer times, you know, um, but uh, uh, on the gallonage side, again, I, I really it just in our testing, we did it at the aquaponic source. You really do need to get above about 40 gallons um, to have enough fish biomass to grow one to two cannabis plants. Um, when you get below that, it does get quite tricky to have enough uh, mineral output and fish poop output. Um, there's just simply not enough water to have an, uh, enough physical mass of fish to generate enough waste to feed those plants. Um, you know, there, there is a bare minimum to that. Um, and again, I think you could maybe get away with it with a, with a horribly overstocked 29 gallon, um, or even, you know, but, uh, or maybe even a 20 gallon if it was a really tiny auto, but. Um, or if you really wanted to, you could feed a little bit of nitrogen in your dual root zone and, yeah. and have a small growth. But you also have to consider that if you're gonna have a media bed of any considerable size, 
it's going to require enough water to be able to pump up and fill up your media bed without completely draining your reservoir. So if you build a media bed that requires 80 gallons of water to fill up and you only have 50 in your reservoir, you're, that's not going to work, right? So somewhere there's got to be enough water left over and not have a huge amount of water uh, change in your reservoir to make it um, stressful for the fish. So there's a couple of things to consider, but uh, anything bigger than 40 to 50 gallons is going to be drastically easier. And I would say 40 to 50 gallons is probably the smallest you would want to go. Even though you could go smaller, it's not very smart, in my opinion. The other thing I would say is that, you know, anything when you're, when you're say, sub 300 gallons on your fish tank, you, you really need to turn that fish tank over two to four times an hour. Um, when you get larger than that, you can start to slow down because you have so much like water volume that you have enough mass of water to start diluting out some of the waste output until you get to, to psychotically high values. But there's kind of a, a choke point and then it kind of balances out. And then when you get to really high, it kind of chokes back up again in terms of stocking level. Um, just because again of the physical physical volume to what you can actually fit in the, in the tank starts to actually you know there is a balance there in the middle and then you have the same kind of issue when you get to like fish tanks as well you know and this, this isn't a new problem um, you know reef tanks or you know saltwater fish only or planted aquariums you know these, these all have similar problems or even aquaculture you know again all have similar limitations but with aquaponics we're trying to generate a, a you know a minimal amount of uh, fish waste um, in order to grow a certain amount of, of plant mass and and you know if you don't have you know the appropriate amount of fish biomass you know weight of total fish meat you know just to be simple um, you can't grow you know an adequate amount of plant mass per day you know think about how much plant mass you you expect that plant to gain um, you need to have you know four to six times that in fish mass um, at least on that tiny scale that we're talking about, you know, sub 100 gallons. I think it's easier, <laughs> and I, and especially if you're not, uh, you know, if you're like me and you're just going to use, you know, goldfish and koi, or you know, not, uh, not worry about, you know, really jacking up your density. I usually prefer to have less fish that I feed more often in order to get the same amount of nutrient level because it's more flexible. If I want to feed them more. To get more output, that's great. But generally, I want to feed them high in veg and cut back in flour. So uh, if, if I can feed them twice as much in veg and then cut back when I go into flour, that becomes more advantageous than if you have uh, if you start out with the maximum fish density. It doesn't give you any room to play with, and your fish are going to grow as you feed them. So. Um, you know, eventually you're going to have to take some out or you're going to do something different. So I don't ever really like running any system at max density, not to mention, um, you know, your filtration needs, your oxygen needs go up as density increases. So everything is easier at lower stocking densities. So if you're only concerned about the nutrient portion of it, then have less fish that you feed more often. If you're looking at fish production and you want to produce food like catfish or tilapia or something like that, then obviously, yes, you're going to probably be want to be feeding more often. 
um, if that's what you're concerned about. But otherwise, if you're just looking to use fish to grow cannabis, I highly recommend less fish. You feed more often and it's more flexible and easier on your entire system. Oh, oh yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, so so those are some of the issues you have on that, that micro scale. I'll have a lot of this type of stuff in my book. Um, we're also working on um, some some cool solutions for some of this stuff for people uh, over at True Aquaponics. We'll have some stuff out soon on um, uh, some kits for people so that you can grab, you know, kind of a, a parts kit off the shelf to grab and attach to your aquarium. <clears throat> and if you have a, a grow setup, so you already have a hydro tray or a hydro sump or, you, you know, you, you can build that to, to fit your, your grow tent or, or whatever you have. Uh, you can immediately plummet right up to that and, and, uh, and know what size pump you need and all that. And then either buy it through them or, or uh, you know, size it through whatever local resource you have. So it'll really help uh, people. It's basically like a, uh, yeah. So again, it's, it's kind of a parts kit to, to make it simple for people to, to use their aquariums instead of uh, other sources. Because there's a lot of people that are interested in growing with aquaponics that, that are passionate about aquariums. That's, that's how a lot of people get interested. Uh, my background is actually in the aquarium industry and I know quite a few other aquaponic people that have that type of, of background originally. You know, you can put those freeloading fish that have been uh, doing nothing but sucking your power bill for the last couple of years and uh, put them to work growing vegetables by setting up an NFT system. So, you know, freeloading bastards. So we got another question in chat. Um, it says, I use the water from my hunter and 10 gallon turtle tank. I was looking at the ingredients of their food and a lot of it is a lot of bone meal products and stuff like that. My turtles have a different digestive system than fish, but would you think that I could recycle the turtle waste? I already use their water uh, for the watering of my plants. So I think your best course of action, if you do want to utilize that, would be to take that water and mineralize it with la make lactobacillus serum separately and then in uh, inoculate that and then mineralize it with the lactobacillus to ensure that you eliminate any potential salmonella vector or E. coli vector because they are reptiles. Um, but if you did it that way, you could pretty safely, you know, eliminate the food safety problem with that and uh, get pretty good... Um, mineralization out of that system. So that would be my advice, uh, again, to be on the safe side. Um, again, the, the, the potential is very low with E. coli and salmonella. Most of that comes down to in the 70s, there was a, a, like a congressperson, I don't know if it was a house member or Senate member or staffer or something that ended up had a kid to get a turtle at a gas station and got E. coli and they never like directly linked it to it but they suspected that it was, so they went all crazy hayward. And that's why you have the rules for um, turtles as far as you gotta sign off on, you know, if they're for research purposes, if they're under four inches or whatever, um, you know, that, that's where all that BS comes from. Um, and it doesn't have actually that much, you know, I, I kept reptiles for a very long time and worked in the reptile trade long before I did anything with cannabis. Well, that's how I got into cannabis, but that's a whole, a whole other long story. But uh, working in the pet trade, there it's not that common, you know. It, it's not, um, and uh, they really make it out to be a bigger issue than it really is. But again, that doesn't mean that it's not a problem. You do need to account for it by you can 
be sure that you're safe by introducing a good inoculation of lactobacillus, um, you know, to, to your system that way uh, and to the mineralization tank where you're combining that, uh, you know, pre-treatment to mineralize that and aerate it ahead of time and then utilize that secondarily to, to mineralize it in a, in a fish system really would be the best way to go or mineralize it and put it into a, a even a, a single loop system would be fine. Just make sure you, that you mineralize it offline with the lactobacillus just to be on the safe side, especially if you're gonna sell it. So is the pH is always about 6.5, 10 to 78 ppm, 110. And it's also running through a biochamber filter system. You mean okay. uh, I'm not really sure what a biochamber filter system is, so have to elaborate on that one but uh since my turtles have a different digestive system than fish would you think that recycling the turtle waste would use their water for watering my plants yeah, again you absolutely can but i would probably go on the safe side and, and make sure that you're not colliding with a little bit of lactobacillus uh, just to be on the on the safe side yeah i don't know what the filter system is but you probably just add labs right to that to help keep your water cleaner at least, at least make it clearer, that's for sure. You know, it helps helps get rid of some of the fogginess in your aquaponic systems. That's, that's super, definitely a, a great pro tip for, for people trying to, especially if you're trying to clarify the water before a film crew or something. I mean, you can take all your water outputs. And, yeah, here's a good one. If you're an aquaponic system and you got a film crew coming, here's a couple of quick cheats you can do. You can run, grab a couple of filter socks from your local aquarium store and, and uh, put them underneath all your water returns and uh, polish your water real quick. You can also add some lactobacillus uh, to your water and, uh, or some nitrifying bacteria, MicroLift uh, professional pond cleaner. Uh, they make a, a ultra concentrated microbial. Uh, that's great for just, you know, I have a film crew coming in six hours. This water needs to look crystal clear by then. Uh, it's a great way to do that. I feed my fish uh, EM1 Bokashi brand, um, and it, it works great. I mean, I, I do it pretty consistently anyway, just to help, you know, keep the things clean. But you, you could feed it, and within a few hours, notice the difference. Um, but, yeah, and uh, it keeps my, my fish super healthy um, as well. So, you know, it's a win-win. So it's, it's a great feed for small fish, too, because it's so... Um, you know, if they're not big enough to eat pellets, they don't have to like gnaw on one <laughs> to try and get some food. Um, <clears throat> so if you've got some small fish, it's, it's great for them. Um, some younger ones, it's a little bit um, like flakes because it's a rice brand basically. Um, and uh, yeah, it works great. I, I feed it all the time. I've been doing it for, I don't know, a couple of years now. I'll, it's the same stuff I spread out when I pull plants out of media beds and stuff too. So if there's, you know, leftover roots left behind and stuff just to help break down solids. Oh yeah, I think I'm gonna end up doing a lab series. I think it's something that's almost too important to like try and, you know, be any kind yeah. of uh, selfish with. It, it really helps so much with food safety and aquaponics. And, uh, you know, it really is something that I would love to see all people using, you know, lettuce producers, cannabis producers, cucumber producers, I don't care where you're going, you know, basil, whatever, aquaponics. It's going to help, you know, your overall system health. 
And again, help you proactive the same way that you release ladybugs or lace wings or aureus or any of those other insects. Um, you should be releasing probiotics uh, the same way, you know, to help fend off a lot of these problems you know, before they come in. For sure. Yeah, I have some videos on labs. Uh, you can check them out, but I don't have a full start to finish all edited together, which is something I need to do. YouTube used to make it easy. They, they've gotten rid of a lot of the more functional features of it. We used to be able to live broadcast through it. We didn't used to need a third-party system. Although the quality of this, I'm not gonna lie, is, is nicer. I think everyone can agree. The audio quality certainly has improved. Another question from chat. How does labs interact with recharge? I would not add them simultaneously, um, but uh, they they will need to reach a nice symbiosis. Again, that, that's a great topic. Um, never add you know multiple microbials at the same time. Um, always do do them one at a time, even if you wait 24 to 48 hours. Or you know most people are watering every two to four days anyway, depending on the size of your plants. Uh, unless you're doing you know trickle watering. Um, so you, it's not a big deal to, to do one thing and then, you know, give them a bit of a rest and then, you know, switch them to something else. Um, that's really the best way to ensure that you get better balance in your system. You know, they're only going to kind of balance out with against their, their predator and their prey. Um, if you go and you add everything together into a slurry and you, you, you combine it and then add it immediately, well, half the time, you know, while they're all in that hyper-concentrated form in the vat, they're going to wipe each other out. Um, you know, not so much with, with stuff that's pre-formulated, but when you start, you know, if you're doing like, I'm going to mix my own personal compost tea with recharge with, with, um, you know, XYZ with, with, with five or six other companies, microbes, some of those are going to fight each other, especially if you go heavy on trichoderma or heavy on lactobacillus, they're going to prey on some of that stuff when they're in that hyper-concentrated form. And you're going to end up with a, with a negative uh, population count on, on terms of diversity. Uh, if you scope it versus if you would, um, you know, dose them individually over the course of say 30 days, um, instead of uh, doing them all as a combined slurry, you'll have much better results. Hopefully that answers your question. You just don't want them to compete, basically. Yep. Yeah, you don't want them killing each other before before application. <laughs> So we, we talked about um, labs being um, kind of ideal for finding anaerobic zones in aquaponic systems because they're calculative, um, meaning that they can survive either in anaerobic or um, aerobic environments. And labs specifically prefer to reproduce in anaerobic environments and will seek them out uh, just in their normal life cycle. So it allows them to travel through your aerated uh, media bed zones and seek out anaerobic zones, reproduce in them, overpopulate them until they're done. And then they'll go seek out other ones. So they're kind of, in, in my opinion, a necessary microbe, especially if you're running large media beds, if you're running uh, DWC, um, anything that's going to um, uh, have like a constant water height, an NFT style system. Um, it's just necessary in my opinion. 
unless you want to have really elaborate filtration systems that require a lot of maintenance. I suggest you just use labs or Okashi brand. Oh yeah, for sure. All right, um, does anybody have any other questions? If not, I'll, uh, I grabbed a couple of slides from some of the different presentations we did for the um, Aquaponics Association Conference. I figured, hey, you guys are probably interested in it too, eh? Um, they're gonna, they have a lot of that stuff up. Uh, it's not, again, to, to be respectful to them and their paywall, at least for the next year, uh, we're gonna keep uh, at least part of it, uh, you know, behind their, their thing, but uh, we grabbed some of our favorite slides from it and uh, put them into a bit of a shorter, shorter presentation uh, um, to show you guys. So I also love, there's a guy, I'm gonna comment on this because it's funny. Somebody always makes it a point to downvote our stuff every time we go live and they don't realize that uh, YouTube is agnostic in terms of upvotes or downvotes. It just cares about engagement. So uh, it helps our indexing either way. So thank you, gentlemen who takes the time out of their day to hit that button. I appreciate it. Oh, we got a thumbs down. They must be listening. Oh yeah. <laughs> Well, they're quite passionate about making sure they never miss an episode. So it's. I have some that went through. I mean, I hardly ever look at it at my YouTube like result videos and stuff. Like I don't, I don't even know. Like I don't look at any of it. The comments I do, um, <coughs> but like none of the analytics. And uh, I was in there looking at something the other day because I, you know, YouTube's always fucking with something. Um, so one of my videos got flagged or something happened <laughs> and I had to go in there and I saw that somebody went through and spent like almost an entire day on one day disliking all of my videos and I was like wow that's uh that's impressive <laughs> oh yeah no there's a handful of people that just think that like aquaponics should in no way be associated with cannabis and we'll just the moment they find out that you exist they'll downvote anything but you know what again all they do is again just to remind them youtube is agnostic it does not care if you if you leave a comment or you you do an upvote or downvote it that counts towards helping it go up in the indexing so if you're trying to uh do something negative that's the way to do it don't don't do anything <laughs> i just can't imagine wasting that much time like for me, if I don't like something, I just go watch something else. You know, like oh, um, yeah. I don't just uh, it doesn't make any sense to me. But the the dedicated hater, uh, it's, it's pretty hilarious. Oh yeah, but you know what? Someone someone's got to do it, right? I guess. All right. Hopefully, y'all can see that. Let me go back to the chat here. <laughs> um. There you go. All right. Here we go. All right, here we go. So um, in case anyone's curious, do we have any questions in chat?
So common aquaponic cannabis myths. Oh, I should have these all on separate screens. That's okay. Here we go. So plants can grow uh, comparably. So a lot of people still tell you that uh, aquaponics plants can grow uh, without any type of supplementation. Um, that's simply not the case. Um, iron gets oxidized. Um, because of the aquatic environment, you do have hyperoxidation. And because of that, um, you do have uh, uh, limitations and you have things that are chelated, that need to be chelated, otherwise they oxidize like iron, excuse me, manganese and some of the other things that are in your system water uh, require that. Um, and then some of the other uh, uh, issues you have is, is that if you put enough nutrients through a fish that in order to adequately supplement the plants, um, you will actually uh, harm the fish, uh, certainly with things like potassium and, uh, and other issues. Silica being another one that is not added enough in fish food, uh, nor is it in uh, easily passable uh, through the fish in a high enough content uh, without outside supplementation. Um, that would be another you know, big limited limiter if you uh, are not adding those. Molybdenum is going to be another one where, um, again, not naturally found in fish foods, um, but very much required. <coughs> okay, I wasn't sure if I froze there. Marty wasn't moving. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm here. Oh, yeah. But yeah, so, I mean, so. I definitely like the, I mean, you can have a ton of different ways of providing inputs. You can have you know, liquids that you add, like if you have like liquefied kelp or uh, you can make your own teas, you can make fermented plant juice, you know, there's a wide variety. You can get a lot of inputs uh, simply from uh, well water. If you're on well water, you can get some of those iron and different things, especially your trace stuff can provide enough to be able to, to grow a, a decent sized plant. Now there's a big difference between growing a four foot tall plant and a 10 foot tall plant. Um, so it kind of depends on what, what scale you're looking at, but those inputs have to come from somewhere besides just fish food because it just, you get primarily nitrogen out of that exchange, um, which is great for veg, um, but it, you know, it, it has to ship during flower. Um, in order to get any sort of production out of the plant. So uh, yes, it may finish, but you, um, you know, you're gonna have fewer flower sites. The, the spaces between the flower sites or, or the node links are gonna be a lot longer. Um, you know, the size of the buds are going to be smaller. You're gonna have you know, not as much genetic expression. Um, so, you, you have to have input from somewhere, but it can be from a number of different places, um, but it's still, still a necessity. And it's gonna have to shift from veg to flower, regardless of how you deal with that, whether that's you are boosting your other stuff like uh, potassium and phosphorus uh, a lot more, you're supplementing a lot more and have the same feed rate, or you're cutting back your feed rate and supplementing uh, your P and K uh, more, but not as much. If you're keeping the same feed rate, 
you're going to need much higher doses of potassium and phosphorus in your dual root zones in order to accommodate. So, or if you want to do all liquid, like just in your media beds, uh, in order to uh, maintain the, the PPM levels uh, that you need without killing your fish, you have to feed almost constantly, um, you know, at least three to four times a week. So that's how those, you know, there's all kinds of different uh, mechanics that you can mess with to get the plants the inputs that they need, but it's not all going to come from fish food. Um, yeah, so and then there's you know, there's other things too that you know there's different enzymes and proteins and um, vitamins you know vitamin B especially from like ah oh, shoot hold on let me have a thing going <laughs> my friend's getting a good laugh at least um, so you also get things like vitamin B complex you know when I'm dosing with lactobacillus okay. It's a great point with lactobacillus. Um, we're getting a wide variety of, of, of vitamin B and that really helps accelerate plant growth rate. You know, if I'm trying to get really fast plant growth or really large flowers, I want those plants to have a little excess vitamin B. You know, I want a little bit more than maybe they would have naturally. And that's okay, you know, as long as it's in that hyper available form. And one of the best ways to do that is with lactobacillus. And this is one of the reasons why we recommend combining traditional KNF lactobacillus with uh, kefir, like a traditional Eastern European based uh, kefir or kefir, depending on your culture. Um, when you combine those, you get a much wider range of vitamin B complex, uh, which really helps again, further accelerate plant growth rate, but also have more beneficial predators in your aquatic environment that will again, eliminate things like E. coli, salmonella, listeria, etc. They also help your fish growth. Uh, you can give the cheese to your fish. I know quite a few people now uh, that, that do lactobacillus for aquaponics and give the cheese off the top straight to their fish. So, from the curds, they love it. It's good for them too, high in protein, uh, makes your fish grow faster, it's good stuff. All right, um, continue on. So aquaponic cannabis uh, has a fish, fishy taste or fishy smell. Um, Marty, have you ever had fishy smelling or tasting cannabis? No. <laughs> I, mean, I, I get this question all the time. And that's, that's really all I can say is no, just like uh, weed doesn't taste like uh, bad guano or seabird guano or cow poop or worm castings or anything else that you grow it out of. Um, it does not taste like fish, doesn't smell like fish or fish poop. Any of the, doesn't smell like a fish tank. None of those things. Yeah. Unless you're doing something wrong. I mean, maybe if you're like spraying it down with tank water or something ridiculous, but I can't be responsible for that. Yeah, I mean, short of fall, you're spraying your, your cannabis with uh uh, you know, uh, system water. 
Um, so another one I get a lot is, it's, oh, it's not scalable. It's absolutely scalable, but I would highly recommend making it compartmentalized um, so that you can, you know, rearrange anything or if something catastrophic goes wrong in terms of an earthquake or a hurricane or hailstorm or tornado or whatever, or a snowstorm that busts in part of the, system, the roof or, I don't know, just weird stuff happens or, whatever. you know, you have a farm long enough, you're going to see something weird happen. I don't care if you're doing soil or what, um, you know, stuff happens. Um, so making sure you compartmentalize it so that, you know, you never commit more than two to 3,000 square feet per for grow room, um, I, I really am just still absolutely blown away when I see these huge rooms that have no no separation between them, and it, it just makes absolutely no sense to me um, on some of these bigger grows. Uh, even with a good pest management program, why not hedge your bets and give yourself extra insurance by putting up a few extra walls? It just makes no sense to me. So, again. Keeping stuff small, one, three, one to 3,000 square foot uh, areas as far as growth spaces is much more manageable. Um, you know, one to two people can manage that space, no problem. Or, you know, one trained person, one lightly trained person uh, can manage that space, no problem, uh, at least outside of, you know, harvesting. Uh, so. Um, and then... Uh, also, aquaponics can't be organic certified. It absolutely can. Even dual root zone can be organic certified. In Switzerland, uh, there is an aquaponic dual root zone company called, um, oh, what's it called? Biosyn, Biosyn, said, Biosyn, something like that. Um, we're trying to get them on the show. Um, we've been in talks for a little bit. We'll, we will get them on the show at some point. Biosyn, Biosyn, I'm not quite sure what it is. Something like that. Regenerate. No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, all right. Anyways, uh, just common myths. So uh, another common problem you see a lot with aquaponics. So traditionally, uh, before a lot of people had a lot of chance to do a ton of uh, comparative R&D, um, and what a lot of the founding fathers in aquaponics would teach you is that you want to use potassium hydroxide and potassium uh, and calcium hydroxide. Well, if you're trying to just simply move the pH for the least amount of cost, yeah, no, that's, that's great. Um, but we're trying to also grow the, the microbes and we're trying to also account for as many of the, the nutrients that are missing from our uh, soil solution. So uh, by switching to a potassium silicate, calcium carbonate, an occasional potassium bicarbonate dosing regimen, you will get much better results with your aquaponic system. You can get lettuce or cannabis. Uh, you will have much better system health and plant health uh, going with that dosing regimen. Um, I know that uh, over at True Aquaponics, potassium silicate is one of their highest sellers. Uh, Marty, did you have anything you want to add to that? The other thing I would also say is, is that, you know, if you're in a pinch, especially if your chloride levels are not particularly high, you can also fall back even to using calcium chloride, which is going to sound crazy coming from me. But if your chloride levels are sub 110, uh, you absolutely can uh, use calcium chloride uh, to, to boost that. And especially if you're supplementing with CO2, um, you will notice them, those plants suck that down. Uh, you'll, you'll see a visible drop from dose to dose or from you know, a week later, if you test your chlorides, those plants are gonna suck it down. 
Uh, if you have all your nutrients dialed in, your light is perfect, uh, and uh, your CO2 is being supplemented, they're going to start really plowing through that chloride, uh, even through the root system. Uh, I know that sounds kind of weird, but we've seen it in documentation. Uh, you know, the only thing I would say is that, um, you know, over time, your system is going to, you know, at least should maintain a balance and just when you're like, if you're doing water changes or different things like that, um, you know, you'll, you'll see a lot of content online that says you should never do anything in order to uh, adjust your pH um, and that you, you know, you'll kill all your fish and everything will be terrible and all your plants will die and they'll take your firstborn child. And, you know, like there's some horror stories about doing that. Um, can you mess up your system with acids? Yes, you absolutely can. Can you do basic math? <laughs> if the answer is yes, then just pay attention while doing it and go slow. You can dose it uh, in very small dosages, which you should anyway. Uh, measure it over time. Dedicate to getting, you know, to doing it on a regular schedule to get it into uh, into a balanced place, and then let your your microbes have the best chance to establish quickly because. You know, yes, the microbes will eventually balance the pH of a number of different things, but it can be difficult for those microbes to reproduce if your pH is way out of whack, if your progress is going to be much slower than if you just start nudging them uh, towards an environment that's better suited for their reproduction. So the microbial expansion that will eventually work in your system to balance your pH naturally um, can can be nudged along and we always you know there's tons of, of stuff out there about how oh well if you dose acid at all you're gonna kill some of your microbes well yes that's that's probably true but if you kill off a small portion of your population of microbes at the time of dosing it in order to gain you know literally a hundred fold increase in reproduction uh, over the you know days of production it's a. Uh, it's much easier to see when you think about it in terms of that that you will gain a lot more microbial population in a lot less time, uh, even if you dose a little bit. So there you go. Oh yeah. All right. Any other questions? Oh, the other thing I would also recommend is that you can always fall back on, on magnesium carbonate as well. Again, if you're just using magnesium and you can use the pH. Temperature and VPD, make sure your silica is up above 60 ppms. Uh, you know, you want your water water temperature between 66 and 72. Um, you know, your VPD, you want dialed in, you know, a temperature appropriate between 78 and 86, depending on cultivar. Um, if, you know, if you take any of our other stuff, we, we go all, all into that much more in depth. Make sure you're balancing your nutrients around Mulder's chart. You know, you want to make sure you don't have too much of one thing. We've talked about this quite extensively in other episodes. Um, and uh, any of our talks or classes, we, we talk about this quite at length. I think I know we talk at least in our classes on this for over 15 minutes. So here's your, uh, your hardcore pro version when you're ready to step up and, uh, and uh, yeah. You're ready to step up and uh, 
really start playing around with your nutrients. So we also have the nutrient management service. Um, I'm gonna quick plug it. Um, if you guys aren't aware, we have the nutrient management service. You can check it out over at trueaquaponics.com. Test your water and uh, send you nutrients pre-dosed for your system. I won't go into it extensively because I don't wanna bore you guys, but uh, if you are looking for nutrients, uh, a nutrient subscription service, we you know, get rid of all the needs to understand chemistry, just send in your water and we'll take care of the rest. Um, definitely a great option for you. So scouting, this is another thing I think I see people just really do wrong quite a bit um, from what you know, most of the grows I'm doing are not doing this adequately. Um, I, I, hear, I hear lots of other pest management people talk on this. Um, let, let me show you this. Symptoms up here. I want to show, okay. Um, so, one of the things that I see a lot is you know, a lot of times people don't have a good scouting regimen, right? Like the first thing that every, you know, whatever room people are in and working in that day, the first thing they should do before any work gets done in that room is scout that room every day. I don't care if they did it yesterday, every day. You got to start off at least 45 minutes to an hour, scout the place. You, you got to know what's going on and you might change your game plan for what you're doing that day based on what you find. You'll also find problems well before they become an actual issue, uh, you know, you know, before they can get completely out of control. Uh, make sure you have a Dynalite microscope and a uh, Omax if you want to really get into your, uh, your stuff and really, really dial in what you got going on. Um, but even if you just want to be light, light about it, you know, a Dynalite is really good. Uh, and then throw all your samples into a Ziploc. So randomly take samples and label them. Uh, with your Ziploc bags, rotate your, your plant samples from, from every few days and, and make sure you take them, throw them in the fridge or freezer and then pop them out into a separate room uh, once they've cooled down and, and throw them under the microscope. And this is going to A, prevent any insects from running around. If you do have mites or something on there that you weren't aware of, at least they're not going to run around the table and potentially, you know, get onto you and then, you know, further infect another room that you might be working in. Uh, this also allows you to slow down any insects so that you can actually get proper photography of them, uh, you know, especially if you're trying to ID them or build your own database, uh, it can be a great way to, uh, to go about that. Hey there, how's it going, buddy? How's it going, Wayne? I'm fine, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for joining us. Um, how... We do it every Are you able to hear me? Yep. Okay, fine. Thank you. Every night, right after dinner. Definitely after me. How are you guys doing? Good. Good. If you could just mute your your your, uh, I'm not sure if it's a radio or a television in the background. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah, you can leave your mic on. It was just the the other thing that we could hear. Uh, it looks like you muted your your mic on there. I can get you settled here. See if we can't get you unmuted. Come on. There we go. How's uh, life out there in San Francisco this week? You know, I, I think just like any, anywhere else in the world, we're trying to figure out what the hell this, this pandemic is about. Um, let's see. Dispensaries are, are, are open just for uh, de delivery or um, 
uh, walk-in services, you can't lounge anymore. Um, uh, the, the permitting process is so burdensome now, here in our city, in the counties and in the city, in the state. Uh, I, I'm not sure why people don't want to address that, uh, but it's so burdensome and all. And it's a tough time right now. It, you know, I'm, all you've got to look out here. You know, it, it's, it's a strange, tough time. Yeah, I know there's quite a few people in California that I'm starting to see here in Oklahoma. I know there's a lot of people that try to stick it out that are just kind of thrown in the towel, especially after the fires this year. It seems to be kind of the last straw for a lot of people. You know, Steve, what's interesting, this is the fifth or sixth year in a row that fires have devastated parts of California and also to uh, those in the, in the uh, how many cannabis farms have been disrupted by that and yet no one is addressing crop insurance for our farmers and i i, I wonder about about that uh, why don't we ever protect our, our farmers we can protect grapes and other kinds of product at all but but not cannabis and cannabis is our first or second largest uh, crop producer in the state of california and we don't want to get near that I, I, what is the mentality that that allows that to continue? I, you, you, we're human beings. These are farmers. These are California fires. This is products that's used in California. We are paying taxes for it, and yet you don't want to protect it. I, I, I it that bothers me a little bit. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I think that they're just they still don't quite take it seriously as a as a as a crop you know, as a crop in general, but they're sure, sure as heck happy to take that tax revenue, you know, and it's like, we need, you know, we proper taxation without representation. I couldn't agree. And we need to have more representation on the ag support side and have those, those resources available for people. You're absolutely right. And you're seeing this in Colorado. How many people in Colorado lost their stuff from the early frost we had in the first week of September that were not prepared for that, you know, and, and even in Oklahoma, a lot of Oklahoma froze the first week of September. They certainly, okay, in Oklahoma, Colorado, okay, yeah, you should probably be prepared at least by September 15th in a normal year. But in Oklahoma, that's new. That That's not that's not normal. You know what I mean? That's Mother Nature, though. Oh, she's punishing us for acting out. And, 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 and the reason why I have such respect for Mother Nature, I'm a country boy. Born and raised in Dubuque, Iowa, when I looked out my bedroom window, I watched cows grazing and corn growing. And, and so my life up and through 22 years of age, I was in Iowa. Uh, so I appreciate the nature. I worked a farm. I know what that's about. And, and so we've got, to respect, we've got to respect nature and the environment. And I believe for the most part, our farmers are doing that very, very well because that's their property. That's their land and all, but we've got to protect that and we're not doing that. And then uh, uh, one other thing that's kind of silly. You, you, did you follow this more act shit that's supposed to be in the federal government? No, oh, no, more please, act. Please, please explain it to the people that are, are unfamiliar. Uh, to make it simple, this was an act before Congress that would deregulate or put reschedule cannabis. Uh, M-O-R, um, I'd have to look at what M-O-R-E is involved. But anyway, it's uh, the bottom line and all the whole people are throwing money at it. This is going to 
uh, take uh, cannabis off schedule one and make it easier for people to deal with. Uh, and, and of course, what well, it got caught up with the election. Can't do anything before the election. And now what's going to happen, we're going to have a lame duck government, no matter what the hell happens, it's going to be lame duck. That now puts it off until January. And now we've got people that are taking office and we're probably into the spring and or summer before we, we, we have anything that's, that's reasonable. And again, who gets hurt? The patient, the producer of the cannabis and, 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 and the farmer that that's who gets hurt. And of course, all government people are looking for how much tax dollars did you say that we can get from this? How much can we, you know, if that's your motivator, I'm glad when you and I were, when you and I started, we were motivated in one thing. How much cannabis do the sick and dying people need? And when can we get it to them? That was our bottom line. Yeah, and so what's going on currently there with California? I know they were doing some potential taxation reforms, but I never heard much after the initial push on that. Or... Well, unfortunately, uh, unfortunately, uh, they, they, we've heard, as you have, it's a lot of conversation right now. There's so much uncertainty. And I think that what, what people are realizing is that 64 is too complicated. Much of the farm regulations are too com complicated because we have a city tax, we have a county tax, and we have a state tax. Now choke on that for a while as, as you, uh, as you, uh, as a consumer, you think about that. A city tax, a county's tax, and a state tax. Right there, you see. And again, you you said earlier, taxation without representation. I, I know you don't like that idea, but that's 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 what's happening. You know, it's, it's like it's like, hey, you know, if you're gonna bend us over, the least you can do is give us some representation on the back end. You know, if you're gonna tax the crap out of us. The least you can do is at least let me have some representation here on that uh, when it comes to crop insurance and being protected and treated as a, an actual crop. You know, hey, this is fair is fair. We're paying more percentages than all those other guys. We should absolutely have access to a well-funded crop insurance program. Um, I don't mind playing the game and putting it a little ante, but I got to get some back. Well, yeah, exactly. You know, I don't mind. I don't mind. You know, in a good card game, you and I will ante up, and we'll deal out some cards and take it there and go to the. But wait a minute, wait, whoa, whoa. Uh, I, but I'm, I'm at least in the in the game, so I, you and I can work on that. That's my concern. But right now, just pay the stuff. I remember years ago, uh, State Board of Equalization. They were the first people that got our money when I had the dispensary twenty years ago. We every month pay. Uh, we had paid 8.25% at that time was the sales tax in San Francisco. And that went to the state board of equalization. So they were getting a piece of the action then. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so but you know what hurt? I'll tell you what really hurts out here. Everything is an independent business. You know what I mean by that? There is no uh, cannabis dispensary, uh, a community organization that has influence in politics, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Nothing like that. No business person's association. Every dispensary is independent. 
And uh, uh, that hurts. That that really hurts because I think if there were a way you could speak as a, because every decision that that's made in cannabis affects us all. Yet we as individuals don't have too much of an effect is because we're like a, a voice in the wind, but as an organization, that's, that's different. And, and, and when you, when I tell well, we got organizations, don't tell me about normal and don't tell me about marijuana policy. They're, they're money. They, they want to make money. Good, good. But, but tell me about how effective they are. You and I are effective because we are in the ground level. We do this every day. This is our lives, not a committee that you and I, no, no, no. We do this on a daily basis. Oh, yeah. In fact, we've been uh, getting more and more involved with our cannabis community here in our little corner of Oklahoma. And it's kind of interesting to see, you know, uh, going to the different little towns. Uh, we've gone to a couple of different, different little events in different cities now that more and more places are starting to open up and have you know, kind of outdoor and there's not a lot of indoor stuff yet, but people are having, you know, there's a lot of bars that have outdoor stages where they can have everybody spread out. You can have a booth that have one or two people come at a time and everyone can be outside, but still have a little bit of distance still, you know, still hang out, but you know, still have a little, you know, not be on top of each other. And it's nice to finally have that going on. So it's interesting to go to one town and everyone is super learned and, and knows all about cannabis products and you go 20 minutes, another direction and, you know, they're still learning what dabs are and they're still getting to learn, you know, what some of the different things and, and terminologies are. And, and it's just, it's a lot of, it's, it's a lot of fun. And it's really, uh, it's great to help a lot of new people that are maybe not, not as experienced. And uh, it's just fun. It's not, I, I, I for, you know, kind of forget how fun and, and how, how, uh, how much um, joy and almost a like Christmas morning to some of these people being able to have access to this stuff or, or being in pain for so many years and then suddenly being pain-free again, having that same kind of Christmas morning effect. Uh, it's been yeah. I, I'm so sure awesome. it's happened to you that you provided cannabis in some form to a friend that was sick, et cetera, et cetera. A couple of days later, they're on the phone to you or sending you an email or something like that. Hey, Steve, you know, that big product or that tincture or that dab, whatever that you sent me really has relieved part of my pains, et cetera, et cetera. Something that really kind of baffles me. We're going into now 2021. And that means uh, almost 80 years now, we've had this stigma about cannabis started in the thirties. And I'm, I'm still continually amazed at how well uh, Harry Anslinger, and Hearst and those group of people, white guys, sold the idea to not only America, but the entire world that cannabis was an evil plant, something that mankind has had history of in many forms throughout history. And yet we've got greedy white men uh, really making a, a Kool-Aid that too many people have drank from and continue to drink from. Pisses oh, yeah. me off. It's, it, what, what pisses me off even more is that I've personally seen this with my own two eyeballs. John Boehner smoking a joint in Jamaica. You know, and you have someone like that that was part of the Bush administration that now is part of uh, whatever it is, Holdings, that whose daughter is married to the 
the guy in the Rastafarian church and is, is about as plugged in as you can be in the Jamaican cannabis industry, you know, it just is ridiculous, you know, and, and, you know, these guys are moving all their money into all these things. That's why you'll never see it illegal. I had somebody ask me today, uh, this morning, this investor guy I was working with on a different project, but the, the, the guy that's backing him goes, so what happens if the government goes backwards? This is in what universe do you see that, that happening? I said, I, you know, corporate, corporate, you know, Republicans, Democrats, you know, everybody, but Wall Street at the end of the day is behind cannabis now. And that's it. It's never going to go backwards. It might pause. It might get draconian and regulate regulatory side, but it's not going to go backwards. You know what I mean? Can you imagine, can you imagine Colorado giving up its state money that it's gotten thus far? Let's throw in Oregon. Give up your state money. Washington, all this money that you've gotten from cannabis in the last X number of years, give it back. I can't imagine that at all. Canada. Oh, yeah. They'd fight tooth and nail to protect that tax revenue. There we go, my friend. So I don't think uh, I don't think this is going to slow down because, and as you see, especially I read so often online, uh, what cities are, are looking to to help recover from this uh, um, uh, this pandemic, cannabis, cannabis, and I oh this is now you're looking at it because you're just looking at it not what it can do for the human being, but we can make some money on this. But damn it, day after day, I'll, I'll get online and I'll read that, you know, one of the ways that cities and counties will be able to, to get upon this is we'll now have cannabis, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, uh, wrong ideas. I'm glad it's being understood. But for the wrong idea, it's just a plant. It's just not a damn tax. You know, this is not a plant that was out here for taxes. Uh, and Jack Harrow. Mary Rathburn, Dennis, myself, you. This is not the taxation stuff. I think that's going to be the reason why it ends up getting legalized. I think that in the next 12 to 24 months, cannabis is going to be federally legalized. And I'll tell you this. This is why the exact thing that you said, co uh, the virus is, is causing this this absolute crash in tax revenue across the board for many different revenue streams that these states had. They, people can't go to casinos. They can't go to movie theaters. They can't have conventions. They can't go on vacation. All the normal tax revenue income streams that these states have are gone. And they're, they're, there's no guarantee on when they're going to come back. And But they could legalize cannabis, create an enormous jobs program that not only helps people to directly work with it, but the, the inspectors, the electricians, the plumbers, the realtors, the people that make the sandwiches, the guys at the hardware store, the guys at the lighting store, the guys at the hydro store, the guys that drive the trucks to the hydro store, the whole web of jobs that, that, that it creates and, and, and the amount of money that it distributes throughout the community is so immense that they can also, all of those things are also being taxed and, and they don't understand the, the chain income that it creates for the community, not just for the companies that touch the plant, but many of the, 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 the companies that, that never touch the plant at all. And I think that that often is not emphasized enough, especially when they when they pitch this to city councils. You got to emphasize 
against that, especially right now. If you're in a state and you're trying to get legalization or they have local control and you're trying to get them to overturn it, you got to emphasize this because, you know, right now, jobs are everything. You know, people are losing their jobs left and right. And there's few things they can do to create more jobs and more tax revenue than legalizing cannabis. There's almost no single other thing in the United States they could do as a single action that would do both of those things. Steve, let me jump on that job situation that you said. Many jobs and industries are not going to come back. When I walk down the streets of San Francisco, it's one thing to see businesses close. It's another thing for me to see them boarded up. There's nothing that says, you know, we'll be back uh, uh, in March or we'll be back or something like that, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And how many industries, as you say, their jobs are not coming back. Those not jobs are not, but I think what industry will be increasing in jobs, cannabis industry. Look at your, look at the potential that you have and what you do and the farming industry, et cetera, et cetera. I've read that thousands of jobs, even before this pandemic hit, thousands of jobs would be added to uh, uh, the employment here in the year to come. Well, now even the demand is even greater because some jobs are not coming back and cannabis is there and it will continue. And now we have a greater opportunity to grow. Throw more into research. And what's interesting about research, Steve, who the hell was standing in the doorway years ago preventing positive research? But the people who are now asking for it, that pisses me off. The government, oh, we, well, you know, we can't move too fast about that. We need more research. Well, you bastards were the ones that were standing in the laboratory door locking us out because you had other intentions. I've been, you and I've been around too long. Jesus, Lord. Uh, I keep, so one of these days I keep threatening to do a, I want to do a podcast, a separate podcast where I get everybody together, like a bunch of different old heads and, and people that have been around for a long time and experienced cannabis industry people and, and, and bring them on and then talk about like their one time they got away with somehow pulled off, not getting busted or like some crazy thing, change whatever you need to change. But like talk about that one time because everyone's got that past thing. And then yeah. also talk about like some some good times as well. Like somebody you were able to really help or, or save or, or whatever, you know, have, have kind of a crazy thing and then have a crazy pause, have a crazy like crazy story and then end with a crazy positive story. You know, How tight are you with Eddie Lip? Three story kind of. Awesome. How tight are you with Eddie Lip? Oh yeah, no, I, we've been following him. We actually, when we found out what was going on, we actually last two episodes and at the the conference actually plugged in to try and get a fundraise for him. So, all right, uh, can, can I give you an update? Sure. Um, let me see. Sabrina Pachenko, myself, Terrence Allen are going to host a party, a small get-together here in San Francisco at Cafe, Coca, uh, Cafe Flora uh, this coming Sunday afternoon uh, at, at, at 4 o'clock. Um, Eddie, Eddie is uh, obviously, as you know, with brain cancer. Uh, he's had two heart attacks, in, two minor heart attacks in the last three weeks. Uh, so he's really going through some things, et cetera, et cetera. He, I'm watching a little bit of information today, maybe a year, year and a half expectancy, depending on how well things go. So my point is, uh, touch base with him 
and, and all while he's he's in good shape. I'm going to see him. We I communicate with him almost on a daily basis, and I'll see him obviously when he comes in uh, uh, Sunday for the get together at Cafe Flora. And I'll tell him I said hello from you guys. All right. Sure. Yeah. No, that'd be great. And I'll let him know that we that that he want you want to do a podcast with him. Let me work him on my end as well. Sure. Yeah. No, I just figured he was going through enough. I figured I wouldn't bother him. But uh, hey, uh, whatever. If you feel like he can, he's good enough. I know a lot of times when people are doing all that, they don't want to be bothered with. No, listen. You know, that kind of stuff. Hear the heat and enjoy it. I really mean it. You know something? It'll take his health is good right now, Steve, and I think it'll it'll take his mind off of it. But also, Steve. Him talking about what he's been through and those kinds of reflections, uh, that's probably good medicine for him as well. Knowing Eddie as I have for, she's almost 30 years now. Uh, no, I think it would be good medicine for him. But I'll, I'll talk to him and I'll let him, I'll find out how he feels about it. I'll let him know that you and I talk tonight and and I'll see him Sunday and, and we'll see how the hell it goes. Yeah, we, we wish him well. And uh, do you want to give everybody maybe a quick backstory about Eddie for those that don't know about him? Eddie Lepp? <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Eddie Lepp is a farmer here in, in uh, Northern California in, in uh, Upper Lake County, uh, which is probably uh, 150 miles north of San Francisco. Uh, some good growing area and the like. And Eddie was a farmer uh, in that particular area. And when I say a farmer... Um, he grew cannabis and I, I first met Eddie, uh, through Dennis Perone at, at our club at night at 1444 market street, because Eddie was one of the first providers, uh, uh that would bring cannabis in. And again, I'm now talking about, uh, 1992, we're looking at 28, 29 years ago when we didn't have a lot of farmers that were coming in or that would dare to come in and provide cannabis per, a, 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 you know, at a medical cannabis dispensary that's against the law and what they're doing is against the law and everything is a felony. And how many people want to take those chances of those felonies? Guys like you and I, we take the chances. Hell, we don't know any better. <laughs> it's just, that's just within our nature. But anyway, uh, so I, I got to know Eddie very, very well. And of course, then when Dennis closed, um, and I opened my own dispensary a year or so later, Eddie was one of the first guys that I went to, um, uh, to say, Hey, listen, I need, and I need to, again, and this is 1999 and we're not talking 22 years ago. And I, and we didn't have a lot of guys to choose from, you know, 215 was still fresh on the papers, two or three, four years old and 64 was not even thought of and, and the like, and it's still the feds wanted to get our ass, et cetera. So, Eddie was one of our principal providers as a farmer. However, him being a farmer drew federal attention. Now, for your listeners out there, why would it draw federal attention? Eddie had a farm, as I say, right, a highway drove right by it. There was a dark, there was a country road that split the pastures in half, but it was right on the highway. And Eddie grew cannabis and he grew cannabis and he grew cannabis. Now, when I say grew cannabis, I'm counting grew cannabis. There's 10,000. He grew cannabis at 20,000. He grew cannabis 30 plus 
thousand plants that he grew. And unfortunately, the federal government back in, uh, boy, when did they get him? Back in 2003 or four, uh, I came in and arrested him. And obviously, uh, they had the goods on him. Here it is. And uh, no matter what he claimed for um, religious purposes or something like that, Eddie served seven and a half years in federal prison in Colorado. Uh, I, I enjoy communicating with Eddie. I've got some photos and uh, uh, letters that he and I ch exchanged idea. We, I just kept him up on, hey, Eddie, what's going on here? And how are you doing? And people haven't forgotten about you. And obviously none of us did. But Eddie, that's, Eddie left. And right now, um, Eddie uh, just turned 68 uh, on his last birthday. And it was discovered that he had lung cancer. The lung cancer has moved to his brain. Um, the movement has affected uh, motion in his right arm, where that's kind of paralyzed and like. Uh, so we're, we're, when I say we, uh, a number of us here in the industry that are great friends of, of, uh, of Eddie are going to host a, a get-together, a party. Um, so many of us not seen Eddie, number one. But so we haven't seen a lot of uh, one another. So with masks on and all this other stuff, we're going to uh, uh, get together and uh, share some friendship and some love with one another, and especially with Eddie. That's awesome. Yeah, and a lot of people don't know that he was one of the bigger suppliers for a lot of the stuff that you guys were doing back in the day and certainly provided quite a few pounds to help a lot of people. So He took chances when you needed balls, not just lawyers. You know, you're doing the difference right now. We've got companies out here, Canaban and MedMen and all these other people that got lawyers and monies, et cetera, et cetera. And he didn't have it that way. And he was not a millionaire that had money and investments behind him. He was a simple farmer. That's all he did. And Linda up there had a nice, simple farm house across the road from it. Nothing spectacular about it. But, and he also knew what he, he also grew the cannabis. And like I said, he provided it uh, not on the, the market. He brought it into the, dispensaries because he was a provider with Denison and myself when when we had our dispensaries what uh, is there any is there any other growers you want to talk about from back in the day like uh who were some of the other people that were providing back then what, uh, yeah. what was you remember Steve that? Cubby what was that I'm sorry Steve Cubby no <clears throat> the reason why I met Steve Cubby there's another guy who's ill and and, and there's another OG uh Steve Oh, golly, golly, golly. 25 years ago was the Libertarian, the Libertarian presidential candidate uh, on the Libertarian Party at the national level. Steve had always been involved in politics. And I met Steve. I met Steve um, uh, through Dennis because, again, Steve brought cannabis into Dennis's facility and I got to know him, not just as a farmer, but also to sharing his political ideas and the like. And as I say, he was the, uh, the libertarian, this got to be in 60-something. 60, 60 he was a libertarian candidate for president of the United States. A good guy, but, but he suffered a stroke, and he lives now in, in, in um, uh, Tahoe, uh, Lake Tahoe and, and, and all, but he suffered a, a stroke and, and, and doing well. One of the things also, too, the feds really wanted him. And uh, he, they, they really wanted to get him because uh, uh, they knew that he would, they, they wanted to prove that he was bringing cannabis into the dispensary. 
Oh, and who gets a subpoena but me? <laughs> I get subpoenaed. Now I got I to gotta go up to Auburn outside of Sacramento and, and, and appear. Are you familiar with Tony Sarah? The attorney, Tony Sarah? Oh, excuse me, the attorney, he passed away recently, right? No, 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 not, not that one. Tony Sarah, the, the cannabis attorney. Oh, no, no. Okay. Well, Tony's a, a Tony's a well, 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 well known cannabis attorney, uh, et, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But anyway, I had to go up there and testify uh, that uh, uh, the feds really wanted him, and I kind of disproved that situation. And um, uh, if you said Wayne... Uh, did you did you uh, 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 perjure yourself on the stand? And if my head is bobbing about that, you would say that uh, he probably perjured him. <laughs> I think you have an earthquake going on there. Is that what's going on, Trevor? Uh, just want to. If I was shaking, it was, he perjured it. himself. He perjured himself. But anyway, that's years ago. Like I got away with it. It was, oh, Steve, the good old days. Uh, what we did for cannabis. Think about that stuff. The OGs, yeah, so, and that's, it's a great idea to sit down and because we won't probably have the Emerald Cup this year. That's I think that, that's out the window. But it would be a great idea when this pandemic shit settles down a little bit. Or we you could do it by viral. I don't know. But put a lot of OGs together and sit down like you and I right now and saying, hey, let's chop it up and here's what's going on. So, so what are some other stories with, uh, with close calls with the, because there, it sounds like they were trying to pinch a lot of people back then quite regularly. Did you ever get into 1444 Market Street? Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, so, uh, I'm sorry. What was that? Did you ever get inside Dennis's Club at 1444 Market Street? No, I've never been inside. No. Okay. Well, anyway, on the second level, it's there today. It's, uh, the, the building is there today, obviously there, but the second one is kind of like a mezzanine, which Dennis's office. And the large windows in his office overlooked Market Street. And so, you know, you saw everything, a great view, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And we were there on a Saturday night, which we, we opened the dispensary Saturday night from 8 until 11. Why? Because a lot of people who smoke pot, they had nowhere to go. And besides that, if they had pot, a lot of our patients had no money to go anywhere. But come back into the dispensary, we put on drag shows and entertainment and singing and dancing and the best we could to entertain ourselves, and which really, really worked out very well. So anyway, let me get to our story. So Dennis and I are in his office smoking a joint, and I noticed on 11th Street, a car parked there when I looked and it seems like, you know, there's a couple of guys. It looks like a couple of guys are in there. And I thought, and I said, Dennis, I said, you know something? I said, we might have some federal agents outside uh, watching the uh, dispensary. You see the car over there? He said, too. And I said, uh, he said, uh, uh, does it look like some people are sitting inside it? Yeah. But they haven't been moving for about 10 or 15 minutes. I said, Dennis, I said, let me go do something. So I walk out the front and I go around. If this is on 10th Street or 11th Street, so I go down market on 10th Street now. Walk 10th Street. I'm going to come up from behind him. Come up Mission Street. Now I come up 11th Street and behind him. Okay. Yep. A couple of people in there. So what do I do? 
jot them down like a little boy scout. Here's the vehicle number, it's California license plate, da 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 da, make of the car, uh, color of the car, all the thing like that. And I kind of, yeah, that's it. So then I back off and I um, go back into the office, get on the phone and call 911, San Francisco emergency. I said, good evening. I said, this is Wayne Justman. I am the head of security at the San Francisco, San Francisco Cannabis Club at 1444 Market Street. We are open as we normally are on a Saturday from about 8 to 11. However, it has come to the attention of myself and a number of our patients that there is a car that has been at the intersection across from us that has not moved for a couple of, uh, uh, maybe a half an hour or so. And we're concerned about that because we're not sure if they are casing us to try to rob us or try to rob the patients that are coming out. Could you send uh, two units out to there? Probably within two minutes. <laughs> two Francisco <laughs> patients, please come up, et cetera, et cetera. And within one minute, that car's gone. All right, that car's gone. And we knew right away. That's the only way I could pimp them. I'm sorry. That was the only way we could pimp them. I had to do that, though. I just, okay, guys, all right. But here's what's stupid, Steve. They knew what the hell we were doing. We were selling pot in there. And that particular night, we were selling pot, and we had a party for people that were sick and dying. And a lot of people that were in there are probably dead by now. You know? Oh, yeah, listen, just, just uh, how do you and I had to push back in those days? Young people don't understand that right now. You know, we pushed back. I was, huh? uh, I was still getting going back in those days. You were leading the fight. Uh, don't you were doing we this fun back. for us? Uh, I'm, a, I'm a later comer. I came around in 2010, so at least on the legal side of things. We got to get rid of. Uh, I've already voted. Yeah, hopefully, already... Uh, I'm just I'm afraid of what's going to happen after after Tuesday. It's going to be interesting. But uh, either way, I think we're going to eventually have some forward progress on, on cannabis. I just hope it doesn't end up being pharma only or something crazy. You know, what's what's amazing for myself. Uh, you know, Kamala was our district attorney out here in 2003. And when she was running for uh, that office, we met a couple of times right across from one another, right where you and I are right now looking at one another. We sat across from one another and talked about what she wanted to do in the office and what she would do from different returns, Hallinan and all. And then she got into the office. And I'm looking right now at a, uh, a photo of her uh, advisory board. And I served on her advisory board uh, while she was a district attorney, advisory board for cannabis and issues uh, in those days, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so that it's kind of interesting to, to see that, knowing that she may she may be uh, may be the vice president. I would hope so. You know, no. I would hope. No, is she gonna do anything about cannabis, or do you think that's gonna be a? They got to. Come on, they have to. Really, I mean that. Did you see what AOC made? Ontario uh, 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 tells said the young lady out of New York. They're going to do. They have to do something. Please, Bernie Sanders wants to get things done. 
Cory Cory Booker out of uh, out of New York, the senator or New Jersey rather. I've, I've yeah, I've I've yes. They serve a lot I, of. I've lip been in, I've met and talked to Cory Booker personally about cannabis. A lot of lip service, right? No, no. Good intentions, good intentions, but we need. Here's the thing, right now though, you and I don't need good intentions any longer. We planted those years ago when we found out that that cannabis can be used for medical reasons, and people such as myself who suffer HIV and other conditions can find relief from the conditions or pains that they suffer. Those that's been established. Now what we've got to get over is that mental stigma that about cannabis. It's all this or the that negative shit. No, 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 no. What we need to do is we need America needs to take a mental enema about its understanding about cannabis. Oh, I think it needs well, I think America needs to take it on more than just cannabis, but yes. Oh, other <laughs> drugs too. I mean, they want to introduce psycho, psychotics, et cetera, et cetera. Hey, that the let, let's see, however they want to do it, let's get it done. And also, too, what about, I've read something, let's uh, get rid of the DEA. That's not a bad idea. Yeah, I mean, well, here's the other bit. Look at Spain and Portugal. You know, they're at 11% of, of the drug fatalities per year before they legalized all drugs and had treatment clinics and, and public use clinics. If you want to go use drugs, you can go get it at the, at the place. There's a doctor on the other side of the wall. You can get, you know, messed up, and then you can go home if you want to, or whatever. Once you're square, but you know, and, and you know what? Then they also offer treatment. Hey, you know what? You you don't like feeling this way no more? Cool. Here we can get you help. You know what I mean? That's that actually gets everybody off the drugs. Or hey, you know, and you know, you know the bigger thing that that would actually go farther to help a lot of this would be a well-funded mental health safety net. If you had counseling and serve and mental health services uh, that were that were widely available, people wouldn't be using drugs the way they are. It's that's it's that in pain, and and if you take away those things, people don't have a reason to turn to drugs in the first place. And, and if you treat the original problem, you mentioned mental health. I'm not sure if you saw this recently. This news article, maybe in the last three or five days, uh, out in the East Coast, Philadelphia, somewhere out in the East Coast. Uh, a family called police on a uh, brother. Have you seen that thing? Yeah, uh, I was born and raised in Philly. I've been okay. watching that closely. Uh, okay, on uh, that young man who was having some mental issues. And from what a news report said, they had like 22 or other calls to that area about that young man. All right, fine. Now, the, the, I guess the brother calls or the mother calls, and she's out in the streets trying to slow him down. And my question to the question of sanity, why the hell do we have two police officers with guns drawn trying to deal with this young man? Why is that? And so when he has a, a, a knife in his hand, he's got to be lunging at him, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you've got to put 22 bullets in his area. I, 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 that, that's something. And then you wonder why people burn to hell and rob and all this other stuff. See, that, that's a mentality that in my lifetime, and I'll be 76 in a few months, I don't think I'm going to live long enough to see sanity come into our, our, our law enforcement situation. Not like that. We don't have sanity. We're, we're still arresting uh, people using minor drugs. And they called for an ambulance. And, and then the police said that they didn't have their mental health service person. He's only on from nine to five certain days or whatever. And it's like, 
how do you have a city with millions of people and you don't have that again when people talk about defund the police that's what talking about is shifting some of the law enforcement is from the tanks to. And, the, and the armored equipment they have into hey let's hire enough mental health service people to have someone at 24 hours a day so you don't know right now <laughs> right now you have to understand from their perspective mental health issues only occur nine to five monday through friday not on the weekends and not after five o'clock in the evening. That's their mentality. That that's yep. that that's the mentality. And your point is well taken. What do you mean you don't have a twenty-four hour? What do you mean? And when you say you know, it's interesting too. Let me extrapolate on something else. Remember when we first got uh, started with this uh, this pandemic, and and uh, we didn't have enough masks and gloves and gowns for. Our, our, our responders or something like that. And we didn't, we'd have to ship them from China or Korea or some other place. And well, people are running around. We don't have enough things, et cetera, et cetera. You know what we did have though in warehouses? Bombs, bullets, military gear. We had plenty of that. Nuclear bombs. Don't we have enough nuclear bombs? So how many times do we destroy this world? enough times over got enough of those but you we don't have enough masks to put on a doctor that's going to treat you or your friend that has this damn virus now think about those are priorities oh and i came back from zimbabwe because they have 25 icu beds for the whole country right like that's just <laughs> versus here which is you got 25 you know per you know 100 people we're turning the corner I wish you could see my hand gesture because I do it like the president does. We're turning the corner. We're tur yeah, right. 80,000 people die today or get the largest day as far as people catching this shit and we're turning the corner. You know, that's just like a bear does not shit in the woods. <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, hopefully this will all be over and hopefully it uh, stays civil. But uh, all righty, well, um, is there anything else you wanted to talk about that's going on out there before we wrap up the show? I was going to go off in a little bit different direction with the show with some mineralization talk, but we've had... Well, I just want to say hi to you. Listen, I'm going to go over to the castle. Oh, by the way, like I said, Saturday or Sunday, uh, I'll be seeing Eddie and, and, and a lot of people, Lynette Shaw, Amy Fisher, folks that you know, I'll let them know that we were, we were on there and, and, and to do this. And uh, probably tomorrow, we'll also see the Perones. I'll probably go over there tomorrow, and I'll mention that I saw you as well. So you have a good evening, and uh, we'll stay in touch, Steve. Heck yeah, I appreciate it. You're welcome anytime. Always fun having you on, bud. All right, Phil. Bye-bye. Thanks a lot. All righty. Well, uh, as a uh, different direction for the show, but that was fun. Um, we'll have uh, we'll cover the stuff that... Uh, uh, that we were going to cover. I was going to go over some mineralization stuff and some other stuff, but I think we'll uh, we'll save that for another time. We've had a, a pretty fun show, and uh, Wayne's always always fun. If you guys aren't familiar with him, he's the first medical patient. He was right there on the front lines with Dennis Perone and uh, and uh, Brownie Mary and everyone else helping get cannabis legalized there in the beginning, back in 1996, and. Um, uh, yeah, so uh, he's a, a lot of fun, uh, definitely uh, uh, someone just full of life and full of energy and always a hysterical to hang out with. Uh, 
and always lots of good stories. Um, he's got a ton of really awesome stories. I'm sure we'll we'll have him tell us some more. If you uh, aren't familiar, go back, especially the first couple of times we talked about him, especially when we did interviews at the castle, uh, at the Castro Castle, um, uh, where we were in person. Uh, he talks about some pretty fun stories with Dennis Perone and running from the police or dealing with the police or just, just goofy stuff that they've had to deal with. Uh, it wasn't always necessarily goofy in the time, but at least nowadays to talk about it, uh, it was kind of the crazy things that were going on and the, some of the persecution, but it's also some of the funnier things that happened too. Uh, so uh, yeah, definitely go back and, uh, and check that out. Um, he's a, a, a really uh, a great guest to have on. So already, uh, it's been a long week. I'm exhausted. Um, if you guys are out, well, I'm not really sure which, uh, anyways, uh, have a good weekend. Uh, we will uh, see you guys next week. We have all kinds of cool stuff coming out. Like I said, Marty and I have been working on a ton of content. We have a, 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 the class is really coming together. We got a lot of neat stuff that we that have kind of uh, um, come together better than I at least in this just initially anticipated for the class. So that'd be a lot of fun. And then we also have, um, a lot of uh, interesting YouTube videos that I've been starting to edit and put together. So um, that'll be a lot of uh, cool content as well. I'm going to do a lot of individual topics like stuff on pH, stuff on iron, you know, individual topic videos that are kind of badly needed. There's a lot of outdated stuff for a lot of people that were doing hydro um, that are kind of, um, you know, I guess often cited uh, that uh, aren't really the best source of information anymore now that we have a better idea of how aquaponics grows uh, from a better perspective, especially now uh, that a lot more people are looking at it with um, microscopes instead of just nutrient levels. Uh, you're, we're really learning a lot more about um, you know, how important it is to maintain those. So definitely check that out. And um, if you are familiar as well, I had a lot of people asking me a lot of pest management questions the last two weeks, especially after the talk I did at the conference. So uh, if you aren't familiar, we actually have a, a 25 video series or you know, depending on when you're watching this or longer uh, on, on aquaponic safe pest management where we go over releases, uh, show you the insects, the beneficial insects or sprays or whatever, uh, talk about it, uh, talk a little bit about application rates and some of them. So uh, definitely a good resource if you're still trying to learn uh, some of your pest management practices as well. Alrighty, uh, thanks a lot for watching. You can find out more information uh, about Marty at AP Meds, AP Meds, um, Instagram, YouTube, SoundCloud, um, Patreon, all the things. Uh, I am Potent Ponics, or Steve from Potent Ponics. You can find me at potentponics.com. You can also find my nutrient subscription service over at True Aquaponics. If you need aquaponic cannabis nutrients, you can also get them over there at True Aquaponics. We're actually working on a whole line specifically for cannabis. It'll be up on a separate page here in the next few weeks. Uh, just to help streamline it for stuff that a lot of you guys, you get a lot of the repeat questions, so we're going to streamline a whole set of, of stuff for you guys, just you cannabis growers, uh, to make it easy for you guys over there. So that, that'll that'll be a good resource for everybody. Um, we have a lot of cool other things in the works to help make things a lot of easier for people that are growing on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, and uh, yeah, if you are familiar with myself, you can find out more information at Potent Ponics. We also offer consulting services as well if you need help with design or uh, nutrient management or anything else, pest control, SOPs, whatever you need. 
and uh, we'll catch you guys again next time. We have over, over 500 hours of content now over on our podcast. If you're listening to this in the audio version, uh, most of the podcasts episodes are available in video version over on YouTube. If you're watching this on video, you can found, find our full library in audio format as well on your favorite podcast app. Thanks a lot for watching. We will be back again next week.